Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back one final time this season with our regular edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga, and of course the Champions League. But with me as always, the top four drama to my end of the season, Billy. Oh, and what a final day it was in both leagues as well. Oh, but trust. That's right. We have a final rundown of the Premier League and the Bundesliga. We'll be talking through the biggest topics for each league from this season. And we'll also be picking our Premier League and Bundesliga teams of the season. But let's jump right in with the Premier League. Oh, where, where to start with the Premier League? It was, do you know what? We'll start with the, we'll start with the last match day because it was so action-packed. And then we'll have a nice look back on the season. So, top as we said, top four... You could say it was a bit of a merry-go-round, but I think that'd be an understatement because I don't think anyone saw Leicester dropping out of top four on the last day. And I don't think anyone saw Liverpool making Champions League. Yeah. I. It was weird because it went up and down like a yo-yo all afternoon because Leicester went ahead against Tottenham and Tottenham pinned them back and... And Aston Villa went ahead at Chelsea. I mean, Liverpool was the only game. Liverpool against Palace was the, o- the only game where it seemed to go smoothly for those involved. <laughs> it was mental. I mean, first of all, who pegged Villa to be beating Chelsea? I did. I put that in my uh, final day of the season, Acker. Did you actually? Which didn't come in, by the way, because uh, I also said Everton would beat Man City because I was expecting them to play, you know, crap players like Eric Garcia but we'll brush over that yeah I had Villa to beat Chelsea see I I wouldn't have I would never have guessed it I mean I definitely had Leicester beating Tottenham because Tottenham have just been diabolical this year um the only ray of sunshine at Tottenham is Harry Kane and Harry Kane is you know for all intents and purposes he's he's gone you know I think we can agree on that this season if if a club finds the the money that Tottenham want he's gone Oh, definitely. And the thing is, that game was really weird because there were a couple of incidents where any other day or if it, if they'd happened at the opposite end of the pitch, they probably would have been given. Yeah. So Tottenham's third goal in the build-up, the ball hits Harry Kane's hand. Nothing given. VAR says, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But you've seen them given as penalties. So if that was a defender doing that, it probably would have been a penalty. Yeah, I think there's also a little bit of leeway given because everyone's like, oh, do you know what? If it happens in the build-up play, it usually, or there's usually enough time to basically rectify that mistake, if you will, or there's enough playing passages left in that whole move that, you know, a goal wouldn't necessarily result from that handball, if you get my drift. Yeah, but this this was literally like two or three passes before it happened. 
for Tottenham's goal, where you look at, I think Josh Madger had a goal disallowed previously in the season. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it Loftus-Cheek? One of the Fulham midfielders had handballed it in the Tottenham box in the build-up. They'd then gone all the the other end of the pitch. Josh Madger had scored. And then I went, oh, no, 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 no. If we take this back about six phases... There's a handball in the Tottenham box. So it's a free kick to Spurs. And it's like, there's no consistency. And that is a common theme that flows throughout this entire season. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, it's a weird one because you have so many. It, it's just one of those 50 50 calls. You have so many calls that give it, so many calls that don't. You know, it's just. It is, once again, just highlighting, you know, one thing that we've talked about so often during the season, that's VAR. It's just the inconsistency of VAR, the terrible officiating in the world's best and most competitive league. It's, it just should be so much better. The standard just should be so much better. They're stupid. And then you look at the, the flip side of that, and you've got Chelsea who are, playing in a Champions League final on Saturday was so unbelievably bad against Aston Villa. And it wasn't that Villa were that good. It was that Chelsea were terrible. And with City winning 5-0 against Everton, come on. Uh, If City aren't favourites for that Champions League, I don't know what he's like. They definitely are. They've got, they've got the far more experienced team when it comes to winning anything. Because this Chelsea team, you have to you have to realize that this Chelsea team is is young. They've got relatively little experience in general playing Champions League football, let alone playing a Champions League final or let alone winning any titles. This City team have year in year out, save for the Liverpool season, destroyed English competition. Na- like national titles have just gone city's way and that's that's down to pep guardiola building a massive team that's i mean obviously you spend a billion pounds over your tenure you're also i'd hope you make a good team but we have seen how some people overspend for players they probably shouldn't have and still manage to produce crap but anyways that city team have done what they were supposed to in the end you know pep guardiola he may have spent that much money but he managed to get city now to a champions league final he's reached he's so close to reaching the promised land so i yeah i'm in agreement with you it's just the mismatch in experience because i'd argue both teams have very good quality in their whole across the across the playing field really just from from start to finish from from their goalkeeper all the way to the striker both teams have very very high quality players and have a relatively high amount of squad depth as well so i think it's going to come down to the experience and that's where city just have chelsea beat by a long shot yeah i can't i really can't argue with that and it's mental to think how how much they blitzed the league in the second half of the season because January 1st, they were ninth. Oh, you, you're just giving us too good of a segue into, the, into our first topic when we take a look back at the season just gone. 
and that is City's revival. Because as you just said, City were ninth. They were, you know, so there was that one meme that was going around, like Arsenal fans getting excited because they were ninth, and they were like, "Yeah, City started at ninth, and they still managed to win the title from ninth. So it is just crazy. Yeah, but the difference between Arsenal and Man City is, is Man City have a team capable of putting together a 20-game winning streak, <laughs> whereas Arsenal uh, won't be playing European football for the first time since 95-96 season. Oof. Yeah, um, mm, it's kind of hard to argue with that assessment, especially when I think, did Arsenal have more than a two-game win streak this whole season? Probably not. <laughs> But there are an irre- I'm sorry, but Arsenal have just faded into irrelevance. That club is irrelevant now when you when you start talking about the top six. I'm sorry, but West Ham seem to have a better grip on European football than Arsenal do. West Ham going on a European tour. It is massive, isn't it? Because you have David Moyes, who you know I I don't think anyone expected, especially after his spectacular, you know crash and burn with man united in 2013 no one expected him to pick himself up from that and and become a manager who is you know started winning stuff i don't think and now he's a manager who's taken a club that was near relegation last season to europa league and even top four at for stints this the second half of the season that is unbelievable and to and to do it with a team he had I mean, you got to tip your hat to that. Well, that's the thing. So uh, the League Managers Association uh, in like the last hour or so at the time of recording announced that Pep Guardiola won the LMA Manager of the Season. And that's other managers voting. That's not uh, the football writers, it's not PFA. It's yeah. just managers in the Premier League. Yeah. But... Surely David Moyes should get some recognition for, like you say, taking a team that was sixth from bottom last season with fans that were ready to rip that stadium to pieces. Oh, yeah. To, like you say, at one point being fourth to, you know, to getting European football. And another little thing that might please West Ham fans, the last two times they've been in the Europa League, They've been knocked out in the qualifying rounds by Astra Gugu. Uh, they lost the Romanian Cup final, so they will not be in the Europa League qualifying round. So, I'm sorry, Astra Gugu is an actual team? Yeah, they're Romanian. They knocked them out twice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, at least they can't get knocked out in the qualifying rounds now because they've actually managed to qualify themselves directly for the Europa League. So... Maybe maybe that'll help them this season. <laughs> but just another one on Man City. Like you just have to. It's, it's it does speak to the resilience of the, of the coach and the players because they yes they were ninth but they weren't a million points off of the top. I think there was like twelve points difference or something at that stage. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a great deal, but to go on the run that they went on, you look at United who finished second were 12 points behind. And that's because City didn't throw away points in the last 
seconds of a game. They didn't, you know, they, they were relentless. I think if you go through the entire season, I think there's only like one goalless game, I think, or something. Like they very rarely don't score. Yeah, I. it's very, very hard to imagine a city team that that don't produce anything. It's just like they 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 had such a streak, like such a win streak. You know, obviously to have that win streak, you have to score every game. So that already makes an unreal record. You know, if you're scoring multiple goals in 20 games in a row, that's unbelievable. Right? There's so little or the there's been so few Premier League teams who have even been able to get anything close to that. And, you know, I think we're going to have to have a look at, you know, how does that compare to that City team who bested Liverpool by one point in that unreal season where I think they were City finished with like 98 points and Liverpool with 97. You know, how does that compare? Because if we're being honest, maybe it was such a feat to get, you know, 98 points. But I'd almost argue this season, even though they only managed to get 86 points, and I say only, you know, in quotation marks, they managed to get 86 points after starting, you know, or being ninth around even November. And then they managed to get 86 points and and win the Premier League comfortably. And they also managed to get to a Champions League final that season. I'd argue that this season, probably more memorable than that 98-point season for Manchester City fans anyway. I think, yeah, I think it's it's more memorable than the season that they topped 100 points as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay, yeah, 100 points is great, but they'd already won the league by a comfortable margin that season anyway. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, you don't get anything else for getting 100 points. But you do get something for winning the Champions League for the first time ever. Like this isn't a, this isn't like a, a a Liverpool haven't done it since two thousand and five. This isn't a, oh yeah, but Nottingham Forest like won it way back 70s. in the in the in the seventies and the eighties. This isn't. There's no our previous winners of the European Cup before it changed its name. This has never won it at all. This is what the takeover wanted. This is what you know. They've won the Premier League. They won the FA Cup. This is what they want. They're so close to getting it as well. You know, that's that's also the, that's also the thing. You know, you have, like you said, this is what the takeover was there for. And you now just see after 10 years of hard work and, you know, not, not everything went according to plan. Obviously, the pressure when you get a takeover like that and the money spent like that, everyone is going to expect results ASAP. But I think, you know, it's still a testament to the management at that club and everyone who was part of that club to get the club where they are now. Because, you know, now they're on the brink of winning their first Champions League in club history. And they've won multiple Premier Leagues, multiple FA Cups, and even Le- and League Cups as well. You know, they've, they've done everything that a top club should to cement themselves forever in history. Can we? Oh, it's gonna hurt, but can we just like 
talk about Sergio Aguero before we move on to, I want to talk Leicester after this. Yes, please. He's been there 10 years. <sighs> Since right? the takeover. Which is long for anyone in modern football to stay anywhere. Obviously, you've got the QPR, you know, that goal. Huh. 93-20. That goal. He's got five Premier Leagues. He's their all-time leading goal scorer. The two goals against Everton took him to 184 goals for Man City, which is the most goals by a player for a single club. One more than Wayne Rooney. Yeah. And like Pep Guardiola said, through tears. Yeah, yeah. We cannot replace him. Like, how do you replace? Who are they going to bring in? Because Harry Kane is good. But will he score 184 goals for a city? Good. I don't. Yeah, nah. That's unbelievable. Unreal. I think it says it all as well because Pep Guardiola. He is. If if we're being honest, he's probably Barcelona through and through. You know that is that is his, the club of his heart, and for him to to break out in tears in an interview about. Sergio Aguero actually says so much about the legacy that Aguero has left or is leaving behind. Well, there's there's going to be that statue of Aguero, Silva. I think company as well. Yeah. Because that that is that call that they had since, yeah, like, yeah. you know, before they won that first title. Company brought in from Hamburg, David Silva brought in from Valencia, and Sergio Aguero brought in from Atletico Madrid. And yeah, okay, he's not been as prolific the last few seasons, but then again, when you've got you go through a knee injury like that, you're never going to. But that first goal he scored against Everton, yeah, he just sort of glides past two defenders, and with the outside of his outside of his boot rolls it into the far corner. So he has just, the finesse. You know, I can I remember watching his debut against Swansea on Monday Night Football back in 2011. And he scored twice on that on that game as well, having been to the Copper America like three weeks before. <laughs> I mean he's an animal. Insane player. Yeah, and I mean, who who is going to replace? Who's going to fill those shoes at City? Because, as you said, Harry Kane, good, but not Sergio Aguero level good. That's actually an interesting comparison. Is Harry Kane better in his prime than Sergio Aguero in his prime? I difficult to say because Aguero never won a Golden Boot. But he's won five Premier Leagues, and I know what I'd rather win. Well, obviously, but if we're talking about individual players, yeah, but fair enough. You know, City had more of the pieces to win a league than Tottenham do. Yeah, but Aguero was still a massive part of that. Well, yeah, he was probably the biggest piece. So, 
anyway, let's let's stop giving love to Man City for a minute. <laughs> Making me feel sick. I just want to talk about Leicester. Oh, it it breaks your heart, really. It does. It really does. Because this season, they spent 242 days in the top four. More than any other club. Oh. And they finished fifth. They did a similar thing last season. They were like in there for like over 200 days last season. And then dropped out at the final. They're gonna, if they're not careful, they're going to take over Tottenham's mantle as being the bottle job club of England. Because, you know, oh, it's how do you spend more days in the top four than any other club this season and still manage to drop out of the top four in the last match day? I mean that's just that's just cracking under pressure. That's the thing; they're not a bad side. I can't understand what what's gone on. I mean, it can't just be that Gareth Bale turning up for the first time in a Tottenham shirt, arguably, is all of a sudden cause for Leicester to kind of just implode. Like that's not how this works. They had two penalties that game as well. Yeah, if you get more than one penalty in a game, I'm pretty sure that says more about how rash your tackles are as a team than anything else. But that's the thing. There's several players in that Leicester team that would walk into any other team in the top four. Oh, yeah. Whether it's Wesley Fofana, the centre-half. Jamie Vardy. Hmm... I'd argue Jamie Vardy, even at his age. Maybe. I still think he's probably found his limit at Leicester. Fair enough. But then you've also got Ndidi, James Madison, Yuri Tielemans. Can we appreciate how Ndidi's actually managed to fill Kante's shoes, which so many people said he would not be able to do? That's the thing. The recruitment at Leicester is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Because if they do sell Yuri Tiedemans, if they do sell Wilfred and Didi or Fafana or... What's the left back? James Justin, when he comes back from his injury. There'll be a markup on those transfers of like two, three hundred percent. Easy, easy. I mean, no, look what... at Riyad Mahrez. West Ham were ninety million pounds for Declan Rice, and I'd say Leicester are well within their rights to demand similar for Wilfred and Didi. Oh yeah, I mean it's a price I don't think anyone in their right mind would pay, but that's beside the point. And I feel sorry for Brendan Rodgers as well. Yeah, I mean he he's now slowly becoming like the king of. Last-minute slip-ups like Liverpool 2014 were so unbelievably close, and then you have Gerrard's famous slip, and then they just lose it at the very, very last minute. And now you've done it with Leicester twice in a row. It's just... It is worth saying, though, that even though they have dropped out of the top four, they did win the FA Cup this year. They did beat Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it and it can't be said how 
or it can't be said enough how much of an achievement it still is to win the FA Cup. Because I feel like the domestic trophies in that sense or the domestic uh, knockout tournaments like the FA Cup or the DFB Pokal don't get as much praise because, you know, the league and Champions League are obviously bigger. But, you know, teams like Leicester winning the FA Cup, that is so big. That is so, so big. And let's be perfectly honest. They wouldn't have done very well in the Champions League anyway. Mm. With with a, another summer of that, you know, that level of recruitment, I don't see any reason why they can't win the Europa League. Yeah, fair enough. I'd agree with that. You know, last last season, Wolves got to a semi-final. And that this Leicester team is way better than that Wolves team that got to that semi-final. Oh god, yeah. I mean Wolves aren't Wolves weren't in the top four for, you know, the majority of the season. It it, it must just hurt though. I think at any I think if you ask any Leicester fan, they might actually exchange. Uh, I don't, th- uh, I that, don't think that's a hard one. I don't think they'd exchange an FA Cup for Champions League. I was about to say, I don't I that's a hard one because if it because if we're being honest, they got champion they've had Champions League before. It's not like an Eintracht Frankfurt situation where they've dropped out, you know, and that was their first chance in club history to make Champions League. Like they've had Champions League football before. This is what I mean. You know, this is something that they've never won. It's the same with, I'd argue, there'd be some Man City fans that would happily have given up the league to win the Champions League if they don't win it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, they, I'm pretty sure there are a very, very high number of City fans who, if they were to lose on Saturday, that they would say, uh, I wish Liverpool had won that or, you know, that, mm, do you think they would have said we, we would have happily given Manchester United the, the league if we could win the Champions League? Do you think City fans would go that far? I don't know about that far. Uh, there'd, prob- there'd probably be some of them because the Champions League is the, the premier competition in, in Europe. This isn't just England. This is Europe. You are yeah. Europe's elite club. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know. We'll have to wait and see. Before we touch on the Premier League team of the season, do you want to just talk relegated and promoted teams? Yeah, why not? So two of two teams, two of the teams that came up, West Brom and Fulham, straight back down. Which you know. I th- didn't didn't we predict that? I mean, West Ham were one of my picks to get relegated. So <laughs> we saw how well that worked out. If anyone wants to turn off now, I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Although on the subject of promoted teams, Leeds finished ninth with 59 points, which is the most number of points by any promoted club in the Premier League. So Cavalier football has actually worked its charm. I mean, I wouldn't say it's worked. I mean, they finished ninth. They finished ninth and they were, they've, you just said they set a record for most points gotten after being promoted. How is that not successful? For, for a newly promoted team, that is unbelievably successful. 
Yeah, okay, it's all right for a newly promoted team, but if you're talking about successful, you know, it's all relative. Yeah, but how good Leeds fans think they are? They should be like third. Yeah, but the, but how good they actually are is being beaten six two by United and four 0 by Crystal Palace. But 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 we move. <laughs> I still I still don't like the way every pundit. Just absolutely rims Marcelo Bielsa. It's not that good to watch. It really isn't that good to watch. <laughs> Fucking cavalier football. It's not. It's just ridiculous and sometimes horrendously sloppy. But Patrick Bamford should probably get an England call up sometime soon. You heard it here first. There we go. I'm being nice. So then uh, than I have been about Leeds. <laughs> so then. The promoted teams now, Norwich and Watford. Yes, and there is the playoff final to come between Brentford and Swansea. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want Swansea back in the Premier League. <laughs> you know, Brentford have Ivan uh, Tony up front, who scored thirty-one goals in the Championship last season, which is a Championship record. Yeah, they've got a plush new stadium. You know, I. D- <sighs> I don't want to watch Swansea play. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough for getting in the in the playoffs, but they're just I don't associate Swansea with anything other than boring crap football. <laughs> well, seeing as we've now slammed the whole city of Swansea basically, because there's probably not much else there. Um <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but, you know, Watford. They, yeah, they, they've had some managerial issues. Yeah, but they're a Premier League team, let's be real. Yeah, they're not a championship team. You know, is, is Milo Saar and Jao Pedro are going to be interesting to watch? And we get Ben Foster's GoPro vlogs at Premier League grounds now, which I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> the, the cycling goalkeeper. Yeah, and uh, Ben, if you want to come on, I'm sure we could squeeze you in. Ah, oh, it's going to be tight, but I think I think we might just have a slot for you. <laughs> you know, and Norwich have just done the same thing they did last time they got promoted. Absolutely blitzed the league. Timo Puki and Emi Buendia have been absolute world beaters. They'll come up, be all right for two months, and then get relegated again. Wasn't Timo Puki already the architect of Norwich's last promotion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trust, trust in the fin. Trust in the fin. Well, that's the thing. You know, Norwich don't, they're not a club with masses of money. Yeah. They probably won't spend a lot of money. They probably won't buy a lot of players. And the, the difficult thing for Norwich is keeping players like Emmy Buendia, like Max, Max Aarons. Max Aarons, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to, he could go to a multitude of top teams in Europe. We'll have to wait and see. So, do you want to do the team team of the season for the Premier League? Oh, let's! It's it's that time of year again. It's that time of the year. Whew. Right then. To be fair, oh, if I if I remember right, this was the one that we had a fair few issues with last season, where we couldn't agree. The Bundesliga one practically picked itself last season. Right. Right. But this but one, this I think, is, 
do you know what? This season is going to start off kind of, or I mean, because we're going to start off with a goalkeeper. And I'm not going to lie, I had a hard time picking it or a harder time picking it because before we honesty, pick, before we pick goalkeepers, can we agree on four three three? Yes. Sweet. My Bundesliga formation might cause some issues, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. (laughs) I don't know about that one, Chief. Um, But no, yeah. So goalkeepers, for me, no one really stood out as having a stellar season. Would you agree with that? Um, No, not particularly. Really? Yeah, I mean, I picked uh, Emmy Martinez from Aston Villa. You know, he played the latter half of last season for Arsenal, won the FA Cup with Arsenal because Bert Leno was injured. Leno becomes fit again and Arsenal ship him out only for them to, you know, bring in Matt Ryan from Brighton. And Emmy Martinez (laughs) has been a revelation for Aston Villa. Because he doesn't have the luxury, like Edison at Man City, he doesn't have the luxury of Ruben Diaz and a rejuvenated John Stones in front of him. He's got Tyrone Mings and Esri Concert. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But the reason why I was little, I was a little bit, you know, for lack of a better word, puzzled as to who I should put in there is because, in all honesty, you know, Edison. He's probably had a solid season, but he hasn't had a stellar season. Allison won too many mistakes for him to have, you know, get the pick. Edward Mendy, solid, definitely solid. But, you know, I think Chelsea just, mm, how far did they really get? And, you know, I'd said also Edward Mendy, similar to Ederson, has been very, very solid, but not, you know, stellar. So for, for me, it was a hard one to pick. And I didn't, I, in all honesty, didn't count Martinez towards my, you know, final, to, towards the final picks between the, like, you know, the final two, if you will. Because I think that still the, the placing of the team still does play a small role in where, or if you get into the team of the season. And, you know, Aston Villa have just not been top level or they haven't been you know in the top half they've literally been in the comfortable midfield of the table from the majority of the season you keep me on edge who the hell have you picked if no one had a stellar season well i still just went with ederson just because man city also did so well and went on that 20 game win streak and you don't go on a 20 game win streak without having a solid goalkeeper in there yeah but it does help when you've got the best defense in the league in front of you this, I think this is why we had an argument last season because <laughs> the, my my pick for the goalkeeper last season, again, was based on how well the goalkeeper had done, not how many clean sheets they'd kept. Because I can guarantee there'd be some games in that 20-game unbeaten run for Man City where Edison had nothing to do. He took a goal kick or two and that's about it. Come and c- caught a corner. Do you know what? The only reason you will you will have won me over for Martinez is because my heart goes out to the to the individual performance of the goalkeeper and you know GK Union and all that. So uh, I was going to say this is hashtag GK Union. Yeah, I'll, I'm I'm giving it. I'm giving it fair play. Fair play, Martinez. 
we'll agree with that. Okay, do you want to tell me your right back? Right back. Right back, fam. Yeah, my right back is Sue Fowl from West Ham. Because again, similar to your reasoning for the goalkeeper, no one really struck me. You know, Trent hasn't had a great season. He's been good the last few weeks, but he's not had a great season. Overall, Trent does not, probably doesn't deserve the England team. Oh, let's let's not mention that. (laughs) Ooh, we've had some incendiary comments made. Ooh. (laughs) Christ, you're going to have your door battered down by Liverpool fans. Just possibly. Yeah, Trent's been poor. Wambasaka, as good as he is one-on-one, there are a lot of times he does make mistakes. Yeah. I don't think Carl Walker's as good as everyone makes out. I don't think Cancelo's as good as everyone makes out. Very good going forward. Really? Because I would have put... See, that was my that would have been my pick was Kyle Walker. I just think because, you know, who, who'd heard of Sue Fowl before he signed for West Ham? Oh, freaking no one. You know, and he's been absolutely class for West Ham. Probably one of the main reasons why they're finishing so high. Him and Thomas Suchek. <laughs> exactly. The two relatively unknown Czech players that they signed from relative obscurity. And they've both yeah. been amazing. Yeah. Right. Center backs. I think we can definitely agree on one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The football writer... Football Writers Association Player of the Year, Ruben Diaz. I mean, he basically picked himself. We've already praised himself multiple, praised him multiple times on this podcast. I think it's kind of a given. We'll brush over the fact that United scouted him for two years and then passed up the chance to find no one else. Doesn't keep me awake at night. Anyway. Other centre-half. This is why I think we may have another disagreement. All right, let's hear it. See, I've gone with Wesley Fofana from Leicester. See, I would have gone... See, I would have thought you would have... We would have agreed on this because I would have picked Slabhead. Really? Oh, my God. Okay, well, put it this way. He's kept United's back line together. You know, Victor Lindelof is nothing special. He's got to keep Victor Lindelof in line and organize a back line at the same time. You've made my heart so happy. But then again, you bring up Wesley Fofana and, ah, Leicester were so good for so much of the season and it's partly also due to him. Yeah, they, they struggled when him and Johnny Evans were injured. Uh, I think I when you miss a player that much, I think it's very difficult to leave him out of the team. Disregard the how important they are. He's very young. He's very good on the ball. He's very good in the yeah. air. And he's very good at slide tackling. Another yep. couple of seasons or something, they'll probably get 60, 70 million for him. Probably. Probably. Left we, back. So we're in agreement with Wesley Fofana. 
Yeah, yes, yes. Left back should probably pick himself. Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Just 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 leave it at that. Wonderful. Most chances created in the Premier League by uh, a defender this season. Freaking rejuvenated. Like no one would have ever thought that he was gonna put a season down like that after his leg break in 2014. Genuinely thought the signing of Alex Tellers was the end of Luke Shaw. I really did. <laughs> Oh, I'm 100% with you because I'm pretty sure I thought Alex Tellers was going to start every game over Luke Shaw. But no, no, no. Okay, midfield three. Do you want to go with the full three and then we maybe pick apart, you know, a couple of individuals? Okay, well, give me your three first then. Ilkay Gunduan, Thomas Suchek. And as much, okay. See the, the third one. No, is a don't, don't say it. I know, don't just don't say it. <laughs> How can you not put? I don't. I don't care who it is. <laughs> How can you not put him in your team of the? Oh, you are you are a ridiculous human being. It was a toss up. You didn't let me finish. It was a toss up. But we'll go with Bruno Fernandes. Oh, thank God. Who is it between? Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. It was a very hard toss-up, but I'm going to say that Kevin De Bruyne, by his standards, did not play his own best season. So. That's very fair. My midfield three is the goal-scoring sensation... Germany's own Ilkay Gundogan. Yes, sir. The Portuguese Magnifico, Bruno Fernandes, obviously. Yes, sir. Obviously. And because as a manager, I like to play quite free-flowing, attacking, direct football, I've disregarded a defensive midfielder completely and picked Mason Mount. Fair enough. I'll, I'll I'll give that to you. The thing is, I would have. I'll give you. I'll give you the fact that you can pick Mason Mount, but I'm still going to say that Thomas Socek was one of the main reasons why West Ham are now where they are. He did more for his team than Mason Mount arguably did for Chelsea. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest, I wasn't really thinking from stats when I picked Mason Mount. It's just because I really genuinely do quite like him. Which oh, is difficult for me player. to admit because I don't like Chelsea. He's a great player, but I still say... Mm. I mean, he's got 10 goals this season. And... Yeah, but okay. We know what Thomas Suchek does for West Ham. Exactly. He is that. You, know, you shall not pass. Exactly. Okay, we'll, we'll have we'll Gundogan, Fernandez, and Thomas Socek. All right, sounds good. Front three. Same as the midfield, list them off and then pick them yeah. apart. You can go first this time. Harry Kane. Okay. Mohamed Salah. Okay. And Marcus Rashford. Okay, I agree with two of them, but Salah. He got 22 goals. He was second in the goal-scoring charts, and they missed out by one goal. 
Okay, fair enough. But I was still thinking about Salah in comparison to his other seasons. I was going to say, but when you've got Mane, who seemed to disappear this season, Firmino, who just isn't there anymore. You know, he rocks up. He rocked up for three games this season, I think. Salah was the only one out of that front three for Liverpool who was consistently scoring throughout the season. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Because I can't in good conscience try and put Homing's son in there. No. As much as I like Son, you know, Kane was the golden boot winner and he was the most most assists. First time a Premier League player has ever done that. Since Andy Cole. In 95. Right. All righty. Should we move over to the Bundesliga after that? Yeah. I just want to say before we move on, if anyone moans that Phil Foden is not in this team, I will come for you. Nah. You you cannot play half the games of a season and expect to be in the team of the season. Nah, exactly. Nah, he's very good, and he will be very good for many years. But he's not there yet. We we move. We move. We move. Bundesliga. I mean, should we just start with the obvious? The obvious, because forty-one goals in a season is fucking obscene. I mean, you know, we talk about Sergio Aguero having 184 goals for one club. What about Lewandowski has 203 goals for Bayern? He's so good. I don't know what else I can say. He won the goal. He won the best player of the year award with 36 goals in the league. What is 41 goals going to do? I mean, he has to win the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> he has to. I, uh, there can't be anyone else that wins that award this year. No. I mean, France football can cancel it again, but then everyone will just know that they just, you know, they're rimming Messi and Ronaldo. So, you know. But he has just gotten better with age. He's like Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic, Jesus. And also, you know, he had the whole last game. He just kept getting thwarted by uh, Gikiewicz in the Augsburg goal. And he just he just couldn't seem to go past it. And it was a point where even I sat there and I was like, 86 minutes gone. I was just like, he's going to get stuck on 40, isn't he? He just is. He just is going to get stuck on 40. And then everyone's going to be like, well, he doesn't deserve the Ballon d'Or. Well, he only he didn't break the record. And then in the 90th minute, literally the last kick of the game, he makes the 41, the magic 41. I mean, you were right. He's only going to break it by a little bit. But 41 goals and seven assists in 29 matches. Jesus Christ. It was so... I, I can't imagine what it would be like being a Bayern fan watching that game because it was constant. There was... Nerve-wracking. Oh, saved. Oh, I saved again. And it was just like, it's just not going to happen. It just isn't going to happen. Oh, it was so bad because it was also... It was such a... It was such a ping-pong effect in front of that Augsburg goal. 
the amount of shots Bayern had where they, they ricocheted off the post only to be headed in the direction of goal again. And then, you know, the keeper makes it say it was so bad. And every time it, it was like, it was a nothing game. Bayern were already had the title in the bag. Augsburg were safe from relegation, but it was so unbelievably nerve wracking. It had me on the edge of the seat, edge of my seat the whole time. Because <laughs> it's one of those things like you start thinking, Oh, but he should have scored against, should have put that chance away in that game about six months oh. ago. Then we oh, had yeah. a chance on the opening weekend of the season to score a second and he should have done that. And it's like, you can imagine that just be this massive butterfly effect. If he gets stuck on 40, he doesn't score that last goal. He falls into some sort of weird headspace. He scores four goals next season, gets let go by Bayern Munich. They bring in Erling Haaland and they just repeat the process again. Jesus Christ. But now he goes to the Euros as... Mr. 41. You know, the favourite for top... Has to be the favourite for top scorer. To be fair, he's not getting the same service in, uh, for, in the Polish national team as he is at Bayern. This is very true. But I think looking back at the season now with Bayern, you have to agree... You know, obviously the ninth title in a row, unbelievable. But I think the main story is going to be the three players leaving the club. Because also including both of the co-managers, Hermann Gerland and Miroslav Klose, and Hansi Flick, and then the three players, Javi Martinez, Jerome Boateng, and David Alaba, you have 107 titles leaving the club jesus christ 107 i tell you what though and this is completely away from the footballing side and i know you don't like Bayern's board but whoever's idea it was to give them those framed pictures of all their trophies and that yeah was a bit of a class move Oh, the Bayern do that with everyone. They did that. It was a massive thing when Ribéry, Robben, and Rafinha all left. So they had that as well. And so they keep doing that. But, you know, you just have to, you just have to sit there in amazement. You know, David Alaba has 10 league titles to his name. He's got two European Super Cups, 10 Bundesligas, two Champions Leagues, two Club World Cups, six... Uh, DFB Pokals and five, whatever that last trophy is. I don't know what that is. German Super Cup, probably. Oh, yeah, it might be. It looks like a football on top of some scaffolding. Yeah, pretty much. Is yeah. it one one arm is one arm is gold, one arm is uh silver? Silver. Yeah. Yeah, that's the German Super Cup. Basically right. the equivalent of the community shield. And again, Jerome Boateng's got the same apart from he's got nine. Bundesligas and see I didn't think Javi Martinez was actually that good in his day he was pretty good you know obviously the last couple of seasons not so much because he was more of a rotational player than anything else but in his day like when Bayern signed him and he was about 24 they signed him in 2013 um or was he 23? One, he was he was relatively young still. And they signed him, and he was basically like that missing puzzle piece to stabilize the midfield next to Sebastian Schweinsteiger on that uh 
on in that double defensive midfield position. And, you know, he could also play, he also ended up playing center back in Guardiola's second season because Bayern were missing a center back. And if it hadn't been for injuries, he probably would have played a bigger role. But this leads me to my next point is the, and that is that of those three players, I think Jerome Boateng leaving is going to hit or hits the hardest. Because Javi Martinez, as I said, more of a rotational player the last two years, he came up big when he was needed, scoring a goal again to win it against Sevilla in the UEFA Super Cup. And he was the one who scored the equalizer in the 120th minute in the last time in the last Super Cup final that Bayern played against Chelsea in 2013. So he's like Mr. Super Cup now. Um, but, you know, he was a rotational player. David Alaba made too many headlines with the way he wanted to leave, the way he wanted more money. Um, and ultimately, he probably wanted to leave Bayern to get like a new, you know, much like Thiago, to get a new feel or a new challenge. Jerome Boateng was the one who was, without a shadow of a doubt, Bayern's best center back this season. Most consistent. Always there. Always could count on him. Came up big even after... Everyone thought after the 2018-19 season, he was good as gone. He then comes up big. You know, he was about to be sold to PSG ahead of the 2019-2020 season. And then he doesn't get sold because the board at the last minute say no. And then he comes up big in that season, becomes one of the main reasons that Bayern wins the treble and all six titles. And the only reason he's not getting a new contract is we is because we have an absolute asshole as sporting director. That was quite impassioned. I enjoyed that. Yep. I've got one question and it really, I, you know, I, I know who Jerome Boateng is. I know who Javi Martinez is. I know Hansi Flick, David Alaba, uh, Miroslav Klose. But who is... Who is the kid with oh, the picture Thiago, of him and the Bundesliga title? Thiago Dantas. He was, he's this talent from Benfica who Hansi Flick was very, very pleased with and wanted him to play, but he just never made it to the, to the level that he was going to get any playing time. So he's leaving, hence why he stood there with the Wait, old He men. was only on loan. He was only on loan, to be fair. So what's the point? Don't don't ask. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he stood there. It's not. It's not even as nice as the others, to be honest. It's just a picture of him with the Bundesliga trophy photoshopped in front of them. But we won't talk about that. So we move on to probably the biggest comeback, and that's Borussia Dortmund. Down and out, lost 5-1 to Stuttgart, got Lucien Favre fired. And then even under Aiden Terzic at the beginning, the rockiest of starts. We said time and time again, we do not expect them. Like Europa League at this point is going to be a tight squeeze, let alone Champions League. And yet they still manage to get into the top four. Not only get into the top four but also make third. I don't, this is two things. It's Dortmund 
sorting themselves out. And it's Frankfurt being horrendous. Like the makers of their own downfall, pressing their own self-destruct button. But but I don't think that Frankfurt pressing their own self, self-destruct self button was the main reason for it. Because you have to think that Frankfurt were fourth behind Wolfsburg. And Dortmund not only managed to surpass Frankfurt, they leapfrogged Wolfsburg as well. So that just goes to show that Dortmund didn't need Frankfurt's help. They were going to get third place either way. Okay, well... That's where the other part of it comes in because, you know, the start of the season, the first like three, four months, yeah, everyone was like, oh, I bet United are glad they didn't spend that 120 million on Jaden Sancho. Look at him. He's having a shocker. And he then finished with double figures in both goals and assists. Erling Haaland got, has got 40 goals this season in all competitions. He's the youngest player to, to do it in Europe's top five leagues. He's unreal. You know, even other... Jude Bellingham. Oh. The lad from Birmingham who wasn't expected to play half the games he's ended up playing. Been an absolute revelation and should go to the Euros. Scored that screamer against Man City in the Champions League quarterfinal, by the way. You know, Marco Royce has had some sort of mini revival this season, as has yeah. Mats Hummels. Yeah. Matt Sommel's going to the uh, Germany, going to the getting back into the Germany squad for the Euros. So after some ridiculously slow start, I think they're down in eighth at one point, weren't they? Oh yeah. And this wasn't like Man City being down in ninth. There wasn't like six points between them and the top four. This was like a solid twelve points behind Frankfurt and Wolfsburg. They were down and out. We said it. We didn't expect them to make it anywhere near Champions League. And there's no way Edin Terzic stays on as Marco Rose's assistant. Because it's like... He's won the freaking DFB Pokai. Like, Marco Rose is a good manager in his own right. But he's not won anything. Edin Terzic came in when all these players were at, like, rock bottom. Yeah. And got them back into the Champions League. He's like some sort of messiah. And the best is, he he used to be just a fan. I love that picture he put on his Instagram. Nine years ago, he's just a fan. You know, a, 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 you know, um, a late 20-something-year-old who's going to the yellow wall to, che- to cheer on his team. That was him nine years ago, and now he's he's gone and brought that same team to a DFB Pokai. That's I, there's un- no way he stays as assistant. It I know can't, it's like I don't see it working out. It can't. He'll undermine every, he just him standing in the same room as Marco Rosa already undermines it because you can't have you can't have a co-manager who's one more as a manager than your, than your head manager or your head coach. <laughs> That's not how that works. That you can't, that, 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 that makes no sense. Even, even the top most players must be a tad bit confused at that point. Oh, it's just... On that subject, do you want to talk about... <laughs> I want to call it a merry-go-round, but at this, at this moment, it's more of an absolute shit show. 
Oh, the, of the, managerial musical chairs. The managerial, the managerial musical chair shit show of the Bundesliga. I think we can. That's a mouthful, but you know, all started yeah, with Marco Rose and Gladbach. Jesus, that led to Gladbach imploding. It's like that thing you make a you make a small ripple, and it just gets bigger. And bigger and worse. And worse. Oh, the, the, the butterfly effect, exactly. It's just gone. Honestly, Frankfurt were in this amazing position. And then First. Marco Rose is announced as the new Dortmund boss in like January. Yeah. And then Adi Hutter is announced as the new Gladback boss. And then it just it just spirals and tumbles and collapses from underneath them. I'm telling you right now, Adi Hütter waits till the end of the season to make that announcement. Frankfurt are in Champions League and Dortmund or Wolfsburg are in Europa League. Simple as. Simple as. Okay, I, I've got a hypothetical for you. Yeah. Before we talk buying, stealing from other teams again. Hey. You're... You, you, what someone you stole from another team has just scored 41 goals in a season. You cannot be offended with that argument anymore. We didn't steal him. He came free. Yeah, yeah I bet there was some chat going on in his ear. Anyway, if Adi Hutter doesn't take the Gladback job, say until next week, mm. but the season still folds out the same way, they collapse, they fall out of the Champions League, they finish fifth. Does he then get the sack? Ooh. Oh. Do you know what? I don't think so because it was so the collapse came about four or five match days before the end of the season. That is so close to the end of the season that there is no way in hell a manager can bring new impulses at that point in time. I don't think he. I don't think it, he gets the sack. Fair enough. Bayern Munich. I want to compare them to Robin Hood, but opposite because they steal from the relatively poor and give to themselves. Poor okay. in terms of Bayern. Okay, this isn't okay, like hold, hold hold the phone. Are we going to just um, completely ignore the fact that the managerial merry-go-round until very, very late in the season did not include Bayern? Oh, no, no, no. no. This, is, this is separate from this because this isn't part of some domino effect caused by someone else. This is down to the incompetence of your own board. Exactly. But you've so, still gone out and taken someone else's manager and someone else's centre-half to make your team better. Yeah, but Dortmund's done the same thing. They've taken someone else's manager. Yeah, but I don't know if Marco Rose will make them better. Yeah, but the same could be said. I'm, I'm sorry, but Ooh. this is another contentious issue. Julia Nagelsmann does not finish the season. What, at Bayern? Yeah. So before he's had any time in, in the job, you're backing him for the sack before the season's finished? Yes. 
I hope he disappoint. I hope he proves I'm, me wrong, but I do not see it happening. Like, excuse me while I just write that down. Date and time, everything. May yeah. 24th. I mean, this is being recorded, so I'm clipping this up anyway. Oh, yeah. And when, when he eventually wins you uh, title number 10, I'm not going to let you enjoy it at all. I'll be sending it to your dad, <laughs> to everyone. Is Lewis happy today? Yeah, he's, he seems relatively chipper that Bayern have won 10 titles in a row. Oh, really? Is he praising the manager? Yeah, he's, uh, he's saying, oh, he's done such a fantastic job. That Julian Nagelsmann, what a manager. And I'll just send that to him and there'll be words, there'll be quiet words. You'll be forced to move out and you'll end up living on the streets with nothing but a Bayern Munich shirt to wear. Okay, b- before before that very highly unlikely chain of events unfolds. Nagelsmann will be sacked in block capitals before the season is over. Yeah, but here, here's here's the thing, right? I first of all, I hope he proves me wrong. I just sounds like backtracking. I don't, don't want to. Well, no, I said he. I hope he proves me wrong at the beginning. We can go back into the recording because it was recorded. So uh, not going to be having any of that. And secondly, the reason I say this, take a look at the managers who have been successful with Bayern. Hansi Flick, Jupp Heynckes, Otmar Hitzfeld, all managers who have been older, more experienced, and calm and collected. Julian Nagelsmann is neither old nor experienced. He is not calm and collected on sideline. He is a little freaking energizer on the uh, on the sidelines. He's he's got so, he's he. I don't know how his vocal cords haven't ripped through because you can hear him the most when Leipzig play. You hear him at the, in, in this very high pitched scream at the top of his voice, just screaming across the pitch. That is not what is going to win you any titles at Bayern. That is, do you know who I'm comparing Nagelsmann right now to? Is Niko Kovac. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Nagelsmann has won less titles than Niko Kovac. Yeah, but Niko Kovac wasn't one of the most highly rated managers in Europe. Niko Kovac wasn't discussed as Pep Guardiola's potential successor at Man City. Yeah, but in every top match Nagelsmann has played, he has gone so overboard with the tactics and tried something new that he ends up screwing the pooch with it and you get the result like a 4-1 slapping in the final of the DFB Pokal because he has to make some otherworldly tactical decision that in the end just confuses his own team, does not benefit his own team in any form or fashion, and then he ends up losing 4-1. But sure, he's you... good for all the matches in between, but when it comes down to it, when you know, when 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 it comes down to the wire in a top match, Nagatsman is not gonna be the manager to make the right decision. But do you not think that's down to the the in terms of winning things, limited resources he has at Leipzig. Because that Leipzig team isn't great. That Leipzig team is pretty solid. I mean, It's not getting... great. They've got Alexander Solov up front, and he was absolute dog shit for Palace. 
Yusuf Poulsen isn't very good. Kuku's good. Danny almost good. Zabitza. Yeah, good. None of them play for Bayern. Okay. But Mikado's going to Bayern. I'm not I'm not all too happy about it, but you know. <laughs> Gulashi I'm not, okay, doesn't play I'm, for Bayern. Okay, Gulashi is not going to... No one else, no other goalkeeper on this planet is going to play for Bayern because they have the best goalkeeper probably of all time in net. Let's not start this argument again. Mukiele probably does play for Bayern because Bayern don't have a right back. Yeah, Pavard's not... Uh. Upamakano. I'd rather have Jerome Boateng right now. Said it. (laughs) Already does it. play for Bayern. Canate probably doesn't if you've got another centre-back alongside you. Angelino, get out of here. <laughs> Davies, Davies will run him ragged all day long. Not even that, I'd rather have Lucas Hernandez. I'm sorry, Lucas Hernandez is an unreal player. He was probably what he was, he has the best. He has That's the what best I def- mean. <laughs> he has the best. Um, the best tackle percentage in the Bundesliga this season. You're making my head hurt. The point I'm trying to make is <laughs> anyone else, anyone else gets Dea Upamecano and Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. They are absolutely, you know, why have I not pissed myself with excitement happy about this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> When things were really bad <laughs> with United, if we'd gone and got their open Meccano and Julian Nagelsmann, I wouldn't have shut up about it. You seem to be like, it's honestly, it's like your parents have got remarried to other people. And when Julian Nagelsmann comes in, it will be, you're not my real dad. You're not my dad. Literally, like, you'll be sat there with like it's like that picture of Wolverine stroking the picture. It should be you and Hansy Flick. Yeah. Okay. Mate, he, was, he was. Here's what you have to realize, right? Hansy Flick. Eighteen months, seven titles, six titles in one year, turned a team that looked bang average into. Probably, along with Barcelona 2009, the most lethal elite team ever. Only the second team to win six titles in a, in a year. And that is Hansi Flick who did that. Hence why any they could have gotten any other manager into his position. And I would be saying the exact same thing. Because no one will ever be as good as Hansi Flick. Because unless Julian Nagelsmann now wins six titles in the, his first season, he's not going to be good, as good as Hansi Flick. Simple as. I don't think I can continue. <laughs> Do you want to move over to the bottom half of the table? Where yes, please. Have- let's leave. Let's leave this topic for when you. Now, hopefully, get relegated so you'll be satisfied with Julian Nagelsmann's performance. <laughs> okay, I don't know how to make Bayern fans happy. <laughs> well, I was happy when we had a manager who won a six titles. So. Oh, look, he's still your 
national team manager. Again, you can see him on the weekends. It's like having two dads. You can see him occasionally. <laughs> okay, but let's let's talk about the traditional clubs from the Bundesliga who managed to go so far downhill. I mean, oh, come on. Werder Bremen should not be in the second Bundesliga. They shouldn't. It's their only their second relegation in club history. But and the last time they were relegated did was that 19- happen? A few weeks ago, they weren't even in the conversation. Well, they barely avoided relegation last season and they held on to Florian Kohlfeld. Then they decide to sack Kohlfeld one match day ahead of the end of the season, which for me, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Very ill-disciplined team as well. Not red cards for Werder Bremen. Oh yeah, that, I mean that that goes to show as well. Like Werder Bremen is that team who are just silently bad, if that makes sense. Like no one really realizes how bad they are until the final consequence, such as them getting relegated, finally comes to light, and then everyone's like, "Holy crap, they were actually really terrible." I mean, Köln for the longest time were on that seventeenth place. And everyone's like, oh, Kern are going to get relegated. Kern are going to get relegated. Not that that still can't happen, but Kern at least lived to fight another day, whereas Bremen, they just capitulated. You know, in a must-win game for them, they get decked 4-2. It was (laughs) 4-0 at one point. That's the thing. They've got some all right players as well. They're going to be picked apart. Surely Josh Sargent and Milo Ratchets don't stay. Oh, they don't stay. There's no way. Because Milo Ratchets are... You have to realize that Vera Bremen last season, everyone was like, oh, maybe they'll even get, you know, Europa League qualification rounds. And then they taper off. That's the thing. Vera Bremen, they have some stints during the season where everyone's like, oh, they might be going back for their former glory days. And then in the span of about three weeks, they're down in the relegation spots again. But Bremen for me aren't the story of this season. Because if you're a traditional club and you almost break the record for the most amount of matches in a season where you're winless, I think that says enough. It just got progressively worse, didn't it? Uh, it and, and we said it. We were like, we, we hope that Hoffenheim, the win against Hoffenheim isn't you know like a last little spark in the fire before the flame completely turns out or burns out. But it ended up being just that. Nothing worked. They had five managers this season. They had more managers than wins this season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It sounds funnier when you say it out loud. (laughs) Oh, so bad. Imagine that. More managers than wins. They had three wins. 16 points out of 34 matches. That is it. That's so bad. Minus 61 goal difference. They managed to score 25 goals this season. I'll give you a little bit of a of a clear up. Erling Haaland, Andre Silva, and Robert Lewandowski all scored more goals 
than the whole Schalke team combined. I mean, they conceded 86 goals. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're, they're just not coming back up, are they? That club is an absolute disarray. They've got, they've got 10 players leaving them at the end of the season. How they expect to find 10 players who will also have the quality to get them right back up to the Bundesliga is beyond me. Well, they started off bad when they appointed David Wagner. Same thing yeah. when you buy players from a relegated side. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, there's a reason those players have been relegated. There's a yeah. reason David Wagner got relegated with Huddersfield because he's not good enough Yeah, for top level. Manuel Baum, Hub <laughs> Stevens, Christian Gross, and Demetrios Gamazis. Gramazis? Yeah. I don't even know who that is. Believe me, I don't either. Like, where have they pulled him from? I was already asking that when they when they appointed Christian Gross as manager. Well, he's last, Manuel, Manuel he last Bob, managed yeah. Darmstadt 98 in 2020. To be fair, they did all right in the second Bundesliga at that point. I was only there for one season. Yeah. No, I, they're going to do a Hamburg. They're just going to stay there for can we also appreciate the fact that hamburg managed to miss out on the relegation in the last three match days again for the fifth year running at this point i don't want them back in the bundesliga i'd rather have goiter firth and yeah i want holstein kale really yes because they beat because another the tra- you can't have three traditional clubs leave the bundesliga that's just depressing yeah you can that's depressing. Come on, I don't want a freaking. I, I don't want Bielefeld and Greuterfurt, Holstein, Kiel. Ah, bro, that's just no, 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 no. I'll tell you what, though. One thing that made my day is the fact that Union Berlin is going to the UEFA Conference League. That's so good. Can we just appreciate Union Berlin and Tottenham are on the same level? Tottenham have a stadium. State-of-the-art, 68,000 with a freaking brewery in it. Union Berlin have a 22,000-man stadium that In the middle of a wood. Exactly. In the middle of a wood that only seats 3,000 people. It is 18,000 safe standing. And these two clubs are both in the same competition. I love it. And he was sent there. They were sent on their way by a man close to my heart because I picked his team when I said that someone should buy him Max Cruz, what a man, what a player. Oh, you said it. You said it. Well, on that note, shall we move on to our Bundesliga team of oh, the yes. season? Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> In goal. Oh, no, no. I want to go formation first. Okay, fine. I told you I picked a weird formation because I went with three four three. Okay, I would have gone with three five two, but same difference. Okay, that's cool. I was I was worried that we were going to have some issues. So who's your goalkeeper? 
Oh, well, you've already just said it. I'm sorry, but there's no way you can tell me anything otherwise. The guy was unbelievable. Even when Bayern had the worst defense this season of any Bayern team in the last few years, he still made unreal saves. I mean, I've gone with Cohen Castiles. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? I think that might be a no. <laughs> just, just a straight no. There is no way you're going to convince me that Manuel Neuer is not in the team of the season. It's just nah, nah. Individual performance. He is so much better. Oh, just no, no. But yeah, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll concede. <laughs> okay, so we've both got a back three. Lucas Hernandez has to be in there. Highest highest tackle percentage at 63% this season. He just is he just is in that in that back three. Who are the other two that you've put in there? Mats Hummels. Yeah. And Jerome Boateng. One out of three isn't bad. <laughs> well, I've got Jerome Boateng, Rafael Guerrero, and Maxence Lacroix. Fair, fair. Wouldn't have gone with Matt Summers? No. God, he was better than Lacroix. And Guerrero was a wing back. How are you putting him in the back three? Well, I... I'll concede Guerrero, but I want to fight for Lacroix over Lucas Hernandez. Oh, hell no. He has, Hernandez has, has 63% one tackles. Yeah, but how many games did he actually play? (sighs) Because I can guarantee he wasn't a regular feature of that Bayern back four, even with the injuries. You are so... You should get ready to be disproven. And Maxence Lacroix is 21. Okay, fine. Lucas Hernandez played 23 or 34 games, but still. Maxence Lacroix played 30. Okay, but Hernandez won 64% of his tackles. I don't know where to find that. Oh, no, not tackles. Um... He had 60, 76% one tackles, 64% of his, um, oh, how do you say it? Because in German, I only know, I only know the German word. It's when you have like a, like a shoulder, to, like challenges, you know, like a shoulder to shoulder challenge, like a 50-50 challenge. Yeah. He won 64% of those. Oh, I mean, come on. How much did Lucas Hernandez, Lucas Hernandez cost? 80 mil. Maxence Lacroix moved to Wolfsburg last summer for four and a half million. I'm still picking Lucas Hernandez. No, I no, you 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 fought me over. I've let you have Max Hummels and Jerome Boateng in this back four, back three. Fine. I'm fighting for Maxence Lacroix. Fine, fine. Because Lucas Hernandez, he might have a high tackle success rate, but. Overall, he's really been a flop for. Nah, he's, for he's 80 done. million. Okay. okay, that being Should said, have bought his brother he's, not a flop. he's not a he's not a flop. He's getting there. He's getting there. 
Should have brought his brother instead. Okay, left wing back. <sighs> That's why you play Lucas Hernandez most of the time. No, we don't play. We don't have a left wing back. Bayern does not have a left wing back. Well, you know what I mean, left back. Yeah, okay, but left wing back and left back are two different things. Bore off. Let's okay, move here. On to the midfield. Exactly, midfield. The midfield four. Are you going with wing backs on the outside or are you going with uh, midfielders? Now. I'm not. I'm going with a, a defensive-minded player and three attacking mids that can play wide. Okay, let's Because hear otherwise it. it wouldn't work. Okay, let's hear it. So I've got uh, Wataru Endo from Stuttgart okay. as my holding midfielder. I've then got Max Cruz from Union Berlin. Okay. Thomas Muller. And Jaden Sancho. That is oh, see, I've done it. I've done it a bit differently. I've done it a tad bit differently because, in all honesty, I would have put a wing back on the outside. If that if that makes sense. So you have. It's a toss up because I want to say Riedle Baku from Wolfsburg. For me, throughout the season. And, you know, he's an under-21 player. I think he did very, very well. He showed time and time again, you know, this is how you do. Like, he can play both. He, can, he has both attacking width and he can also defend. But this is where the toss-up comes in. I'm going to not take in Riedle Baku. I'm going to take Philip Kostic on that, on that left-hand side because that guy made Frankfurt's whole attacking attacking ensemble he provided crosses he has the most crosses this season provided cross after cross each match each match fed andre silva yeah but how many of those crosses were actually assists because he's getting dangerously close to expected goals territory okay we're not going to go for expected goals i'm not that bad he had 14 assists this season Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's how much Harry Kane had. Exactly. Then the midfield, Zabitza and Kimmich. What? Why are you looking at me like that? Marcel Zabitza. See, I I avoided putting Joshua Kimmich in because I didn't want it to just be a buy-in team with other yeah, people, is. which is why I... You know, because I've got obviously I've got Lewandowski up front as well. Okay, can we go? Can we go back? Come back to the midfield for a second, because the front three pick themselves. Yeah, there's no Lewandowski, argument. Lewandowski, Haaland, and Andre Silva. Andre yeah. Silva scored more goals than Erling Haaland. Well, there we go. Front three picks itself, but I would argue for Thomas Muller to be in that midfield four. Instead of Zabitza, okay. I be, well, I'm here's the thing. I can I can't argue that because Thomas Müller had an unreal season for Bayern. The guy had he he had the most assists. Well, there we go. Then you know, it's, Marcel Sabitz is good, but I don't think he was that good this season. I thought he was pretty pretty good. I'm I'm I'd say that he was probably Leipzig's Leipzig's you know engine in that midfield. I'll concede Max Cruz for Marcel Sabitzer, but I'm going to push for Jaden Sancho because to have 
Jaden Sancho on the right then. Yeah, because it was it was like Dortmund's season for himself. Okay, so you would say Jaden Sancho, Müller, and Kimmich in the midfield, and then Philip Kostic on the left. Agree with that? I would like Endo, but yeah, Kimmich has been well good. ridiculous as always. No. And then yeah, the front three pit themselves. Well, there we have it. It'll be interesting when on when they have to sell Andre Silva. Oh, and he goes back They're... to being terrible. Do you know what? There's people are talking about only forty million for his price tag, and that's what Frankfurt are already happy with. Like, I'm sorry, you could sell that guy for 70, 80 odd mil at least. Luka Jovic, two Jovic is already going back to Real Madrid as well. They're, they're not exercising their option to buy him. To be fair, he didn't Real, deserve it. Yeah. Real probably need it. Yeah. Well, there we go. But, yeah. It's been that a nice was little... the season. Yeah, it's been a nice little roundup, a roundup of the season. And then I guess we'll take this moment to thank our esteemed listeners for following us this whole season with the uh, normal episodes of the 50 plus one football podcast. Don't forget that this Saturday is the Champions League final and also the Europa League final. We will be covering both of those in one final European edition. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. That'll be coming out next week. But I guess we'll just have to launch into the normal spiel again. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also make sure to check out seasons one and two now of the 50 plus one football podcast on Google podcasts, Spotify, and our RSS feed. That is the 50 plus one football podcast. But for the last time in the regular episodes, thank you very much for listening guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.